God is good, amen? He is so, so good. He is so good. I, um, uh, I, I don't know if you maybe missed last week, and, and if you did, my apologies, but last week's message is, is my heart for this place. It's my heart for the church in North America. It's my heart for myself and for each and every one of you, that we would be oil-getting people constantly, constantly cultivating that oil of intimacy and relationship with Jesus, constantly before him, because it's only in that that we would find that he is so holy and so glorious and so worthy of our lives and of praise. And so in that, welcome to Sunday morning, and welcome to the time where we get to dive into the Word together. I'm so excited because God's Word is, isn't it amazing? Over thousands of years, this thing was written, and thousands of years later, it is still speaking to us in our modern context just as much as it has ever been. Isn't that crazy to think about? This, this is breathed on by the Spirit of God, clearly, and we get to come to it this morning with that in our minds. We get to know that this is God's word to us. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, which I hope that you do, and if you don't, that's okay, but next time you come, maybe bring your Bible. If you don't have one, talk to me and I'll get you one. But today we're going to do things a little bit different than normal. I don't have any uh, scripture slides for us, and I know it's, it, this is as bright as we can make it in here, but hey, that's all right. Um, you can also just listen along because I will be reading through the scripture. It's warm in here, isn't it? I'm warm. Maybe just get, get all excited and <sighs> worship time was good. If you're sweating during worship, it's good. <laughs> um, where are we this, this week? Matthew 25. Yeah, we're going to keep going through 25. I, I mean, we could, I had initially planned out as, as I kind of sketched out where we're going to go in Matthew, I had initially uh, planned on just kind of jumping this little bit in Matthew 25. But I think the Lord, I mean, it's the word, and we are going to be skipping some stuff as we continue through Matthew. But I just, this part today is really important in light of last week. So we've been going through Matthew, and for the last few weeks, we've been going through Matthew 24 and 25, and it's Jesus teaching to his 12 disciples. And so he's with his 12 disciples, and, he's, and they have asked him the question because he's been saying all these prophecies about, about the last days, and the Jerusalem's going to be destroyed, and, and the temple's going to be destroyed, and that happened in 70 AD. But then they ask him, tell us, tell us what, we need some more details here. And so Jesus is teaching his disciples, and, and Pastor Nick brought us a, a wonderful word, which uh, in essence, God's plan isn't finished yet. Jesus is coming back. We know that, right? Jesus is coming back. We lit the candle this morning, remembering and anticipating the celebration of Jesus' first coming. But this age we live in, we anticipate and we're expecting and we're excited about Jesus' second coming. He's going to finish all of his work. And we look forward to that day. And in that, he said that in the last days before he returns, things are going to get really hard. 
things are going to get really hard for believers. Persecution and evil will increase in the world to a point where it's never been before. Yet simultaneously, at the same time, the gospel is going to go out in power to the ends of the earth. And so, so this is the reality of what is going to happen in the last days. And then last week, we looked at the parable of the ten virgins and how it is possible for us, as we've learned many times through Matthew, Jesus hits this point very often, it is possible for us to think we're going to be in the kingdom of heaven, to think that we're going to be in heaven, to think we're going to make it and totally miss it, that we, it would be possible that there are many in this room that would totally miss out on that. And in that, there, we had a lamp that needed oil, right? And sometimes we love the form of a lamp and, oh, I got a lamp. It's awesome. Look at me. I got a lamp. But without the power behind it, the oil, the power source behind it, which is the Holy Spirit cultivated through intimacy with Jesus, without that, you will not be ready for when Jesus returns. And so Jesus continues speaking about his return. So if you have your Bibles with you uh, and you're open to Matthew uh, he says this in Matthew 24, um, so we'll just jump back in, in his discourse a little bit. And it, in Matthew 24, verse 45, Jesus says, well, we'll start at verse 44. It says this, he says, Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man, Jesus, is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant? whom his master has set over his household. And so we're going to pause there. Jesus says, who is the wise and faithful servant? Wise and faithful. Last week we looked at a parable of the ten virgins. And do you remember what the two groups were called? There were the foolish and there were the wise. So that was a parable of that's, that's a wise servant. A wise servant is someone who does not neglect the oil in their lamp. And then we go on, and today we're going to get into, we're actually going to do the whole rest of the ch chapter 25 today, starting from verse 14. We see a parable of the talents, about being faithful, about being faithful to God's call with the resources that he's given each and every one of us by his amazing grace. It's all grace. And so as we do that, all I can do this morning is, is to plead with us yet again, get oil in your lamp. Get oil in your lamp. Don't go through the motions of religion without a heart for Jesus. Without that heart for Jesus. I don't want, uh, I don't want, we don't want to build something some semblance of a church that is void of the oil that we desperately need. But as we read on, uh, well, we'll just read on. So we're going to start in Matthew 25, uh, verse 14. We're picking it up right where we left off last week. I'm going to just kind of read through it and, and just talk through it as we go. So Jesus says, the, the, remember, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. Okay, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And this is an end times passage. It says, For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. 
So we can pause there, and, and right away we can, just so we have context, this man going on a journey is Jesus because he was here, he died, he rose again, he taught his disciples for a short time on the earth, and then he ascended to sit at the right hand of the Father. And that's where he is now. And one day, he's coming back. He's coming back bodily, but there's this time in between that he's talking about, and that's what we get to look at here this morning. Because this man went on a journey, and he called his servants and entrusted to them his property. So Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, he has given you something of his very own. He has given you something of his very own to serve him with, and it is entrusted to you. To one, let's keep reading. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. And so we see that this master is going away, and he's going to give gifts to his servants. And he's going to give extremely generous gifts to his servants. And um, a, a talent, if you if you have footnotes in your Bible and you look down and and you see, a talent was a monetary unit worth about 20 years' wages for a laborer. That's how much a talent was worth. So Jesus is telling this parable. And if you go, let's just pick a, a number, 50000 $50,000, let's say that's around the average um, income for a Canadian. Um, I don't know what it actually is. I'm just picking a round number because math is easier. Um, so you got... Five talents, so you got $5 million. Chris, help me out, please. Is he even here? No. Five times 20 times 50,000. Five million. Yeah, thank you, Wayne. You're an accountant, I trust you. <laughs> Five million. Whew, dodge that one. See, so to one he gave five mil, to another, two million, and to another, one million. So it's not, he's, not being, he's not being chintzy with his gifts here. He's given his servants something to work with. He's given his servants really something to work with here, according to each of their ability. But to each one, it is extravagantly generous. So he gives them this, and he went away. He who had received the five talents, or the five million, he went at once and, and traded with them. And he made five talents more. Good job. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went, dug in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also had, he also who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you 
however much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talents in the ground. Here, have what's yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So the talent from So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so that's where we'll pause. And so we notice some things about this parable. First, we notice that this servant is, is going away, which um, if you put yourselves in the disciples' place and they really are sold that this guy's the Messiah, they had no grid for the fact that he would be going away. But Jesus is clearly over and over saying, there's going to be a time where I'm going to be gone, but I'm coming back. That's really important for us to remember. Um, and so we see that these guys, there's 5 million, 2 million, and 1 million, okay? These guys have a ton to, to deal with and a lot of good resource. And, um, and yes, in, in, this, in this story, it's money. And yes, it is your money too, and it's my money too. Yet, not only money, um, these talents, these talents can, can represent any gift by the grace of God. And so we know that God gives good gifts. We, were, we just talked about how, how he blesses us um, here in this place, um, especially just where we're located and in, in the area we're at. I mean, we're not even in walking distance. Somehow you guys got here in a vehicle today, and somehow you uh, aren't freezing here this morning. I'm certainly not up here. And, um, and so we have a lot that we've been given, right? We have a lot that we've been given. And before the Lord, we have a lot that we're supposed to steward because he's given to us in this in-between time. One day, this master is going to return, and he's going to come back, and he's going to judge based on what we did with what he gave. And yes, this means spiritual gifts too. Did you know that sometimes we think of spiritual gifts and we think, you know what, God gives them to us, and so it's just going to happen. Do you know that we actually get to be good stewards of our spiritual gifts? And God gives different gifts to different people. Sometimes that is hospitality. It, you can easily choose not to do that, but maybe that's a gift that the Lord's given you. Sometimes it would be praying in a new language that God would give you, one of those spiritual gifts. And yes, you can choose not to use that as well. And that would be to your and God's plans detriment. And so we get to be good stewards of this. But notice that when the master comes back, he talks to the guy who had five and the guy who had two, and they get the guy who had five made 10. The guy who had two came back with four, and they got the exact carbon copy response. 
well done, good and what? Faithful servant. God isn't after your accolades or the numbers as much as your faithfulness. God is after your heart and upon that, your faithfulness, this ongoing love of him and obedience to him, which can only happen from a place of love. We can fake it. We might fake it our whole lives, but true, authentic service of God only happens when we are lovingly before our king, getting that oil, and then this is the working out of that. Because we have oil in our lamps, we go and we do. It's from that place. So don't hear this this morning, and I've heard it preached, that make sure you use all of your talents because you need to ensure that you're getting to heaven. I don't think that's how it reads. Not to me. That's works. Get the oil first. And out of that, Jesus is just explaining something that's just going to happen. This is proof. This is proof. He's going to give us gifts, and if we use them for him, we will one day receive that. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the what? The joy of your master. I want that, and I want that for everyone of you here as well. But the one who didn't, the one who didn't, well, we've already gone over this many times, that it ends with there will be cast out, that worthless servant, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, and that's hell. That is hell. That servant who, who hid the talent does not make it. Why? Because he or she did not invest in the talents that they were given by the grace of God. And in the end, I think, if you're to mix parables, they didn't, they didn't have the oil. And so that, that's, we're, I think that's really simple for us to understand today. I think it's really simple. Your abilities and your talents. Um, we, we had people uh, up here sharing their musical talents with us today. And um, we, we use what the Lord has given us for him. And to bury it means that there's something wrong with our hearts, actually. It's not, it's not gear up and strive harder to make it happen, although it is going to be hard work. And sometimes we do need to gear up and strive harder, but only in the place of a love of Jesus. Out of that place that he puts in our hearts that we would get oil from him. Following? Cool, good. So it's fairly simple for us. So I'm going to leave it there because you, you know well, uh, you know well if you know the Lord that you have resources and that you, you are compelled to use them for him. Don't neglect that. So let's keep reading. Verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, so when Jesus comes back and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. And before him will be gathered all the nations. So pick, if you just picture this. Jesus is coming back. He's going to sit on a throne. And before him is going to be gathered the nations of the world. And he will separate people 
one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Hallelujah, amen? Yes. For I was, but then, so we're like, yes, awesome, sheep, they're in it. They get the kingdom in the end. It's actually happening. Hear, hear what the reason is. For, because, right? I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. That doesn't, that doesn't compute. Wait a second, but I thought this wasn't about, I thought that this wasn't about works and earning anything. And if you said that in your head right now, it's like, good, you're right, actually. So then we must read this differently than that. Right? But Jesus just said, the sheep are going to be in the kingdom because they cared for the poor. The righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. As, <clears throat> excuse me. And so we see that Jesus, every time we pour out our lives for others, it's actually doing it for him, if it's out of a love for him. And it keeps going. And then he will say to those on his left, so those goats, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Eternal fire, which was prepared for the devil and his angels. I actually don't believe that God wants any of you to be there. It wasn't even prepared for you, but you can end up there. You can end up there if you deny our Lord and neglect his invitation to eat with him, to get oil, all of those things we talk about, to abide in him. He says, for I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me, naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. And so Jesus is talking about when he returns and final judgment. And the reality is that we are going to be judged based on some of the things we do. We are going to be judged based on some of the things we do. And now there's a piece of 
heavenly reward that the scripture talks about that we don't have time to dive into deeply today. But there is a piece where the things that we do for the Lord here actually store up heavenly reward for us. And that's a great motivator. But just as much as a motivator is the fact that Jesus talks about hell a lot and how we do not. That just sounds like an awful, awful place, weeping and gnashing of teeth, eternal fire, eternal punishment, right? I don't think many, especially my generation, we don't even think about hell very often if we're not bathed in the scripture because the preachers don't talk about it a whole lot. But it's a reality. And that day is coming. That day is coming. As much as Jesus is coming to establish his forever kingdom and it's going to be the best thing ever. So all, yes, hallelujah. Ab- absolutely. That's the best. Both are coming. And the question is, where are you going to be? Where are you going to be? See, I actually don't think that Jesus is saying here, make sure in order to get into heaven that you're doing all of these things. Because we believe that Jesus said, unless one is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And I fully believe with all of my heart that if you are a born-again believer in Jesus, you will want to because God has changed your heart from stone to flesh. You will want to serve the poor because his spirit is welling this up in you. I do think we have the opportunity to neglect that. And we can even ignore and disobey to the point where our consciences are seared. And we need to be aware of that. But in this passage, I don't think that Jesus is saying, uh, feed the hungry, take care of the poor, all of these things, so that you get into heaven. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is this, this is going to happen in the last days. There will be a separation. And let me tell you what the proof is going to be that people love me, that they're actually born again. What is the proof that I, I'm not interested in a God who says his Holy Spirit, God himself, fills you when you are born again and look no different than before. You're not saved then. God lives in you. (laughs) You're a new creation. Hallelujah. If you don't, if you haven't had that yet, I am, I, I invite you to that. Jesus invites you to that this morning. It takes a humbling and a saying, I've tried it on my own. Maybe you've been trying this religion thing on your own, trying to get to the kingdom of heaven on your own. Just give up and say, God, I'm a sinner in need of your grace. Holy Spirit, fill my life to overflow. Say that right now in your heart. That is what God is after. That is what he is after. He's after your heart. But the obvious proof in the last days when Jesus returns, is going to be how we treated people. Caring for people is the proof of being born again. And we get to obey Jesus. It takes, yes, there is going to be effort, but, but there's going to be a compulsion of the Holy Spirit to care for the poor, to love the sick, to visit those in prison, to love people, right? What is the great commandment? To love God with everything we've got, with all your heart, soul, mind, and your strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. These two go hand in hand. 
Why? Because that's God's heart. And that's what he does in the believer. And so you'll notice as, as we read this passage, it's, he says, I was naked, you called me, I was sick, you visited me. Then the people were like, what? We didn't even, we didn't even see you in any of those ways. This is talking about the sheep. We didn't see you poor or hungry. What, what are you talking about? It's, it's as if they didn't even realize what was happening. Because God had done, so changed them that that's just what they were doing. And in the judgment, Jesus comes back and says, you were doing all this stuff. They're like, what, what are you talking about? It's just what we do as believers. It's just what we do as Christians, as followers of Jesus. It's what we do. It's what we want to do by the grace that God has given us that to give us new hearts. That's good news, amen? It's so good. We sang this morning, there's a line in Christ alone, when strivings, when strivings cease. You can, we can quit striving now and rely on the power of God in you. Peter wrote, he said, you've been given everything you need pertaining to life and godliness. Do you believe that? Do you believe Peter, in the Bible, said you've been given, in 2 Peter chapter 1, I don't need to flip there, you've been given everything you need pertaining to life and godliness. Do we believe that? I believe that. And I want to step into that every single day of my life so that I can enter into the joy of my master. Um, caring for people is the proof in the end Caring for people is the proof, not the way in, but it is the proof. So right now, we get to pause and, we, and, and you just self-evaluate, right? And you're like, what, where is my heart towards, towards people? Where is my heart towards the poor and the lost and the hurting? What's my knee-jerk response when I hear of tragedy? Is it cynicism? Is it, when, or, or the poor, oh, they whatever, I'm just going to care for myself. What, what, is, what is the heart here? What is the heart behind it? And I can't answer that for you, and nobody really can except for between you and the Lord. And if you find, if you find that your heart is empty towards caring for people in this way, the sick, the hurting, the poor, the broken, the needy, there is something desperately wrong with your heart, and you need to come to the Lord in repentance, and ask him for a new heart. The good news is, he does just that. I'm living proof of it. I couldn't have done that on my own. Jesus is so good. He changes a person. He changes a person. Uh, a couple months ago, um, we were having a, a, a gathering here, normal Sunday morning, and um, Pastor Nick he was on his way in. It was, I don't know, a couple months ago. It was pouring rain outside. And, and, and Nick was driving uh, to church in, in the morning. And uh, there was a guy walking on Dougald Road, right? There's a guy walking on Dougald Road, pouring rain, has a big duffel bag. He looked really, really rough. And so Nick pulled over and started chatting. And he, and he picked this guy up. And, and, and I'm going to assume something about you for a moment. I'm assuming that Nick did not stop because he was thinking, hmm, Jesus is coming back, so I need to make sure I have a good list. 
No, it's because the Holy Spirit does something in us when we see people like that. So then Nick and I, so because Nick did that, Nick and I, I thankfully I caught Nick as he was coming in the door, and this, and this guy comes in, and, and I see Nick, and he's like, give me the eyes, like, I need you over here. And so, so we spent, uh, some of you might remember, do you remember I, I came really late to lead worship that morning? Everybody was sitting in here quiet. Maybe you don't remember. We were, we were chatting with this guy in my office. And we were praying with him. And, um, and Nick, Nick, because he loves God, just went and did this. And this man, is, we, we sat in that office with him, I don't know, two and a half, three hours. And we got through some stuff. He was a deeply demonized man. He was possessed. We got to the point where we were actually able to speak directly to three demons that this guy was carrying. Two of them we were able to cast out. One of them, he said, no, I want him there. And we were never able to help him with that. But he, we just kept reassuring him that we love him. We're not against him. God loves him. But God, has, God is holy and, and needed to deal with some stuff in his life. None of that would have happened without the Holy Spirit changing Nick's heart to say, that guy's standing in the rain. <laughs> he's poor. He's hurting. He's busted up. And he picks him up. Nick was coming to work on a Sunday morning. I don't like calling this work. It's a joy. But, um, but he saw someone, and it made a huge difference. made a huge difference. It's amazing. The, and then just seeing the peace and the power of the Holy Spirit over, it, over the, the demonic. <laughs> because God is powerful and changes people. Yeah, hallelujah. That's good. So in closing, I just want to share one more uh, one more short story. But before I do so, I just want, this is the pattern, and it's really this simple, and it's the invitation. Love Jesus, love the Father, love the Holy Spirit, God, three in one. Obey them, and that's going to lead to loving people sincerely. It just does. It just does, as he does the work in our hearts. So how many, oh, it doesn't even matter. Maybe some of you have heard of a lady named Jackie Pullinger. Yeah, sure, show of hands. Who, who's familiar with who I'm talking about? Okay, Nick and Joy, great. <laughs> um, so this lady is, um, is, there's a book called Chasing the Dragon, and I really encourage you, if you like biographies, to go and read this book. Um, it's so, so good. So this lady, Jackie Pullinger, she's um, a, a Brit, and uh, she went over uh, at the age of 20. She just felt compelled by God because she'd given her life to Jesus to go on mission somewhere. And, in the, and her initial thought was, well, of course I'm going to go to Africa because that's where missionaries go. Uh, she had a vicar who gave her the advice of follow where the Lord would lead you, get on a boat and book the longest trip possible and trust that the Lord will tell you where to get off. And so uh, she ended up in Hong Kong. And she ends up in Hong Kong, this young woman, 
And she, there's a bunch of, it's just miraculous how, how this all plays out and, and happens. And she ends up getting a teaching job. She, was, she had a music degree. She ends up getting a teaching job in the city of Kowloon Walled City. Who's heard of that before? Anybody? No? Yeah, okay. The Kowloon Walled City. Can I get a picture up on the screen? I have a picture there. Yeah, so this is Kowloon Walled City. So you see, it's hard, kind of hard to see, but like that big messy looking cube that looks like a big pile of cubed garbage. It's a, it was a city, it's, it doesn't exist anymore because it was tore down because it's just a horrid place. It's a city that housed 30,000 people on eight acres. 30, that was, this was in the 1966 where she, when she showed up. 30,000 people that had no running water and no electricity other than some sketchy wires uh, that were scammed from the nearby city next door. And it was a cesspool. The streets, there was just boxes upon boxes. It was, the streets were so narrow, it was night all the time because it was so dark in that place. And not only that, but so spiritually dark. It was the hub of the opium trade and heroin addicts, and prostitution rings, and this is what this city ran on. It was the poorest of the poor, and it was horrible. It was horrible. Absolutely terrible. So she gets a, a job teaching in here, and she is compelled. This is, this is, this has to, her heart just breaks. She explains it as if, I have never loved anybody like that before. That's God. Only God can do that. And so she sees, and she starts these, this, this youth club, and, and in, that, in that time, around the ages of 10, you would get involved with gangs if you were a guy, or you would be sold um, to sex slavery if you were a, a girl, and that was their life. They knew nothing else. And so she starts ministering to these very, very broken people, and this place is completely controlled by gangs. And so one, one day, she's walking along in this narrow, just not like, you couldn't look up because the chamber pots would be thrown out the window periodically. So you had to walk these skinny alleyways just looking down. She chose to live here. She chose to live here. And so she's walking along and she sees this bright glowing red in the, in the refuse in the, on the ground in the alley. And then another one. And another, somebody's, somebody got hurt here. Somebody got hurt real bad. At this point, she had been really involved with um, helping some of these youth in this area, and most of them were, were young gang members. And she starts, um, she starts thinking of, oh, this is Asor, which is a kid that she, uh, this young guy that she'd been working with. Oh, no. And so she runs to the, the club that they would normally meet at and is just, is just so worried about what's going to happen to this kid. And um, not long after, somebody shows up and says, I forget what her Asian name was, but Jackie. <laughs> um, come, come, come. Come to the hospital. Come to the hospital. Someone's going to die. Didn't say who it was. Oh, no. This has got to be us. Or, like, this is, my, this is this young one who I've been praying for. And so she goes to the hospital, and it's not who she thought it would be. It was a a young guy by the name of Ah Tong. And so he had been stabbed and wounded so bad that they said his arm for sure is gone, is going to be gone, but, but probably his life. And so Ah Tong was the leader of this gang. 
He was the gang leader, a very, very, very harsh, harsh, harsh young man. He'd done awful, awful, unspeakable things. But Jackie and a couple of the youth that she brought along decided to stay all night and pray for this guy. They decided to stay all night and, and pray for him and care for him. And um, even, even so much that this young, young guy's parents came and they just couldn't figure, why are these good people, these Christians here, helping these bad people? We should not mix together. And they prayed and they prayed and he made a full recovery within a few days. But he was too embarrassed to come and talk to them for months because they're the good people and he's the bad, part of the bad people. But they just love because, because Jesus, Jesus loves. Until one day, a few months later, he came knocking on the club door and said, Jackie, I've been trying to get off heroin so many times and I just can't do it. I'm at the end of myself. What am I going to do? You can do this for me. And she said, no, I, I can't do this for you. But I tell you who can. Jesus can. Jesus can. And he was so desperate. And he saw the love of these people, these Christians, that he was willing to come. And the Lord grabbed his heart. And he detoxed off of heroin, which is normally a horrid process, if you've ever known anybody that's gone through it's, it's, it. That itself can kill you, actually. But through just praying through it with no, no, not even any symptoms for, for a while, and he gave his life to the Lord. And that's only one story of hundreds of people that have come to the Lord because of the love of the poor and the broken and the hurting in that area of Hong Kong. And sometimes it's hard for us to see because we're really good at hiding our brokenness and our hurting, and we can hide it pretty well. But the Holy Spirit can show you when a person needs the love that only he can put into your heart. And in those moments, respond and act. Respond and act. Get the oil. Love Jesus. Spend time with him. Just love him with your whole life. And, and you're going to pour out for others. That's the expectation. That's the expectation for when Jesus comes back, he's going to say, who's, who's been doing this? Because those are the people. Those are the people that love me. Those are the people that I've poured my heart into. And so I think that's a wonderful, hope-filled message. And it's a wonderful way for us to close these two chapters of Jesus' teaching on the end time as we look to him really headed towards the cross. Let's bow our heads together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that though we are poor and blind and naked in our own right, you came to clothe us with salvation by you shedding your blood for us. And so, Lord, my prayer for the church Yes, Pine Ridge, of course, but the church, God, is that your people would be your people. So in love with Jesus that it just comes out of us. We wouldn't, that we would be like those sheep who were just surprised. Oh, I didn't see you, Jesus. 
It's just something we, it's just something we do. Holy Spirit, fill your people. And Lord, for those who are in this room today and are wondering if they've ever had anything in their hearts, and instead it's been culture or parents or whatever it is, God, I pray that right now your Holy Spirit would convict hearts. That your kindness and your holiness would draw to repentance. And Lord, if we've struggled to care for the poor, the sick, or the broken, or the hungry, or the hurting, for our brothers and sisters in Christ, especially as your word tells us, Lord, I pray we repent. But God, I also pray that there would be some who recognize and just honestly get to the point of humility to say, I got it all wrong. Lord, help. Lord, help. And that they would be made new. We want to rejoice a new life here in this place because you are so good and we love you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Lord, I ask for a sending out that the poor would have their wounds healed through your people. That we would dress those wounds with love and kindness. God, that you would send us to the poor and the broken and the hurting, and that your love would shine through. Lord, give us opportunities this week, and Holy Spirit, don't let us go until we act. Just bug us. Thank you that it's a good, your plans are always best. 